0: Hello and welcome to another episode of All of Them Witches. This is Marcus, back here again. I wanted to put a little intro here because I thought about it in the last episode when I had apparently never thought of it before, which is that I should really give people information as to how they can contact me or chat with me, whatever, because that's kind of the fun part about podcasts, isn't it? Not just listening, but potentially being able to interact with someone who like shares your interests so i'm really basically on twitter and it depends where you want to go i have a twitter for this podcast specifically that is called them which is pod spelled t-h-e-m-w-i-t-c-h-e-s-p-o-d but i also have my own twitter account which is at marcus boy spelled m-a-r-c-u-s-b-o-i yes that's an i at the end not a y And that's like my personal Twitter account where I'm not super active, but I will talk to you if you talk to me. So (laughs) if you want to get in contact, those are two ways to do so. I mean, you could go there and give me some recommendations on movies, ask if I've seen a certain thing. Like, really, I'm up for it, whatever. And so you'll see there that I'm pretty much willing to chat I see that there are apparently some people listening, so I would really love to hear who you are, like where are you from, what are your favorite horror movies, maybe favorite movies in general, whatever, I'd just be happy to know who the heck is listening to me. Of all people, who are you? (laughs) So that's my little spiel out of the way, so today I wanted to talk about a movie that I have been curious about recently because Vinegar Syndrome recently released it. And this film is called The Candy Snatchers from 1973. I wasn't really sure what to classify this film as. You know, is it really horror, for example? The IMDb page lists horror as one of the tags. So I was thinking, sure, I guess I could classify it as horror. And in my opinion, it is horrific. In some respects, though it's definitely not a typical horror. It's not a slasher. It is nothing to do with ghosts or vampires or zombies or any sort of monster. It's more just the terror of humans being awful, which, you know, some people may not classify as uh, a horror film, but I'm going to say sure it is. And it's my show, so I could cover whatever I want, really. Um, Yes, that's the movie. And I'm going to just play a little trailer here for the Candy Snatchers.
1: We'll take it. It started as a simple crime, the Candy Snatchers. For them, it was a new beginning. For her, it was the beginning of the end. Three losers who wanted to lead the good life, the Candy Snatchers. They'd do anything to get there. Snatchers, they were rough on candy. They were rougher on themselves. Hey, get out of my work. You only knew! I said no! The candy Snatchers, they were after a fortune in diamonds. He cut off her ear. And they sent her father a piece of candy in a box. Oh my god, no! The candy Snatchers, they did things they couldn't even believe. That is sick. That is really sick. The cops. Fourteen! The Candy Snatchers. Bizarre. Incredible. Almost unbelievable. Ah! The Candy Snatchers. This is the one they're talking about.
0: All right, so that was the trailer. And, you know, I don't know who's listening again, but if you are familiar with sort of 70s exploitation films, you will probably feel like that trailer definitely feels like it's talking about an exploitation picture. And I think, yeah, this The Candy Snatchers is definitely an exploitation movie, but a bit darker, a bit more serious and grim than some others, I would say. And again... There is kind of a horror element, though it may not be standard horror by any means. So this film, again, was made in 1973 and directed by Gordon Trueblood. And it is basically about this kidnapping storyline. There is a girl named Candy. That's where the movie title comes from. And she is going to a Catholic high school. And she is just plucked up and kidnapped right away, like two minutes into the movie. She's gone in these people's um, van. And there are three kidnappers, two men and one woman, and their goal is to use candy to extort money from her father, who is this, like, fancy jeweler person. So they're like, of course, he's got cash, he's got jewels, so he could get that money by um, taking his daughter and, you know, doing a ransom. This movie is based, at least in the start, it's based off of a real kidnapping of a young woman named Barbara Mackle who in 1968 was kidnapped when I think she was coming home from college or something that's where this movie gets its basis but it goes completely off into its own territory Um, probably the only other similarity is that the kidnappers the method by which they um, hide her but that's basically all you need to know at this intro Um, and I'm going to go into spoilers of course right now Okay, so like I said, our girl who gets kidnapped is Candy. She is kidnapped by three people. There's Jessie, a woman. There is also Eddie and Alan, who are these two guys. It appears that Alan is Jessie's brother, and Eddie is just some guy that's also involved in this situation for some reason. They all kidnap her because they got this plan. But really, Jesse didn't even come up with this like in her own criminal mind. She just saw something on TV and decided to replicate it, basically. So they you know, capture her right after school. And they drive her up to this sort of hilly, empty place. And they put her in a casket underground. And basically cover her up with a bunch of dirt. And the only thing that's keeping her alive is basically that they've got this pipe... That's sort of an air hole from the casket to above ground. Aside from that little pipe sticking up, you can't really tell that anything's gone on after they've covered her up. You can't hear her screams or anything unless you're directly over that pipe. So they decide, great, we're ready. We move on with our plan of letting her father know that we've kidnapped her and asking for money. So they do this, but it turns out there was a little child hanging out in the bushes, who so saw this whole thing happen, who saw them carry this girl who's blindfolded and screaming, and put her into a hole in the ground and cover her up. This little kid is just, like, staring, you know, shocked, but he doesn't, he doesn't he doesn't get caught, which is great. He's just lucky, he's just hidden enough in a way that nobody sees him. So, he runs back to his house, and it appears that This child, his name is Sean. He is nonverbal. Seems like he's an autistic child. And he's trying to convey to his mother that something has happened, but he cannot speak. So he's just sort of, you know, gesturing and making her frustrated because she just wants him to come in for dinner or whatever. She doesn't want to deal with his games. So we can tell already that there's going to be some sort of uh, drama with this kid knowing this information, but how is he going to tell it to people? So Kennedy's father is named Avery, and he's, like I said, he's a businessman. He's like sort of managing this jewelry shop, and he's just out of having lunch with people, clients maybe, and he receives a call from one of the kidnappers, and they tell him they've got their daughter, his daughter, and that he better pack up a bag full of jewels and bring it to a sort of drop point, otherwise they're going to kill her. So, he's shocked, but the weird thing that starts happening is we watch Avery, he goes home, um, talks to his wife Catherine, doesn't express that anything has happened to Candy, in fact he covers it up, he says that Candy called him and told her, uh, told him that he was gonna, she was going to spend the night somewhere with a friend, he's trying to play, you know, on the down low. The kidnappers did give a time frame, they said you have to do something in like 40 minutes or else. But he's just sort of wandering around, basically. So the kidnappers are all sort of watching the drop point from afar. They're waiting. They're like, hey, when is he going to come? And he sort of misses the time frame. He misses the due time. And they're like, well, maybe he got a flat tire. I don't know. So they keep waiting. But then we get to go back to the husband. And now he's hanging out with his mistress, who looks like um, a woman who he works with at the jewelry shop. And he just, you know, brought her a necklace. And they're having their own little fun. But clearly, he is not responding to the drama that is... He needed to be at this place like hours ago to give them jewelry so he could get his daughter back. He doesn't seem to care. He's doing all these other random things. And so it's, you know, nightfall. And the kidnappers are pissed. They're like... Why did he not come? What is going on? Like, well, maybe he did really get a flat tire. But, yeah, okay, sure. And this sort of just shows that these three criminals are very much not masterminds. They are not really accustomed to this, it seems, because they just keep trying to come up with reasons why this is okay and why, you know, they'll, be, they'll still get what they want. They don't really understand what to do when their plan is sort of thrown off the rails. While this is all happening as well, there's other drama unfolding with young Sean and his family. It appears that he can't get what he wants to do. He can't bring them to the um, like sort of gravesite because on this day specifically, his father is going to have a meeting with his boss at a, like a dinner for the first time, and this could be the chance for them to sort of him for him to move up in the ranks in his job. So they all have to get dressed up and go to the boss's house for a dinner. And it's here where it's kind of really weird, but the boss is having fun with the child and he's asking, you know, why isn't he talking? And the parents are very uncomfortable and they're just like, something is wrong with him and he can't speak. And I don't know, like, the history of autism. Obviously, it has been around forever, but I think that it has really been only more recently where that's become more understood and accepted. So in the 70s, I'm pretty sure that it it was not accepted or understood very much. So at this point, the boss just starts laughing his head off like, Are you kidding me? He can't talk. And he's being a real piece of shit, basically. And the kid looks at him like, He's pissed. And I'm like, Yeah, I would be pissed too. What is wrong with this guy? Like, can you understand? Is it just me? Either way, this totally messes up that family's plans. I guess the father does not get his you know, fancy new upgrade in his job. So the parents get pissed at Sean. And it's like, oh my God, this is such a messed up movie. But they get, they, you know, it's his, it's the kid's fault, apparently. And so basically nothing good is going on in that family. Sean is getting hurt from his family, both, you know, mentally and physically. And nothing happens. He cannot get the word out about, again, this young woman who is kidnapped and potentially going to get killed. So after it's apparent that the kidnappers are not going to get their ransom that day, they take Candy to their like little home place, I don't know, some sort of abandoned house and hang out there. And it's kind of at this point where Eddie, who is one of the kidnappers, starts to really connect with Candy. He just sort of talks to her as like a person. He is not trying to be scary to her. In fact, he's trying to calm her down. And let her know, hey, you know, we're not really going to hurt you. We just want the money, right? We need this money. And Eddie's sort of really opening up and talking about basically how America's kind of... The American dream has not happened for him. And how he really would use this money to start his own business. A legitimate business. And work hard and pay taxes and stuff. He just wants to have that normal American dream style life. But the system has failed him and he cannot, he has no money at this point. But this sweet moment ends because suddenly they're thinking about, well, what can we do to make sure that the dad knows we're serious? He must have not come because he thought we were joking. And they basically are like, well, we can cut her ear off and send it to him in a box. And that's super creepy, so... It's like, oh man, did the movie just turn? Is this going to become super serious suddenly? Whereas before it had been kind of awkward and funny, you know, in some capacity, at least with the kidnappers. It's kind of funny because they're so unprepared for this task. But here is like the point where it's, it's starting to get real. And Candy freaks out, obviously. She can hear them talking, even if she can't see them with her blindfold on. And fortunately, they do not cut her ear off, but they do make her think she will. they are going to do it so that she'll scream and they record this footage of her screaming about it and then they go to uh, a hospital morgue and get some random dead person's ear and put candy's earring on it so that it appears like it's really her ear and this whole sequence is kind of funny as well in sort of a black humor way because jesse who's one of the kidnappers she is supposedly like the sort of ringleader it seems so hardened but when she's in this morgue she gets disgusted watching the um, man cut her the uh, dead person's ear off and she won't even pierce the ear with the earring she asks the same person to do that for her so you can see the humanity in the situation is that yes they all want the money really badly and they are willing to go it seems all the way But they've never done something like this before. At least most of them. But, you know, the movie is just getting more dark as time goes on. So Eddie, who had just had a lovely heart-to-heart with Candy, for some reason decides to turn into a total male chauvinist pig and comes up to Jesse because he thinks that they're going to be together after they get the money. And Jesse's like, no, I was just like lying to you. So he flips out and uh, rapes her. And that's just like... man, Eddie, I was feeling for you. But then you had to turn... And do this... Terrible... Monstrous thing. So I'm never going to be able to care for you again. So... It's really unfortunate. But you're seeing... Sort of the breakdown of this criminal trio. Where they were just trying to do something. It would have been perfect if it went all well. But now that their plan is falling apart... They are falling apart. They are losing themselves and becoming even worse than they already were before whereas before they might have had some humanity they're definitely losing it over the course of this film okay so they go ahead they go to um they decide they need to give this ear to the dad avery obviously house and they can't mail it to him i guess so they decide to pretend to be an electrician and then give it to him at his place of business and yeah, so they have a whole little goofy moment where they try to knock out a real electrician to get his outfit in car, but he's super buff. So all three of them get beat up for a while before they finally knock him unconscious, steal his clothes and his van. So Eddie's the one who has to deliver the ear. He brings it to the father and he freaks out. You know, they've got the audio playing. They've got the ear in the box. Of course, he's disgusted. But before Eddie leaves, he learns the truth of why doesn't Avery seem to care about his daughter? And the reason is because okay, so for one, Avery is her stepfather, but that's not really the whole thing. It's that her real father, Candy's real father was rich and he is going to he has an inheritance for Candy that, If she, like, lives until she reaches 21, then she will get $2 million. But if she does not live to that inheritance age of 21, then half of the inheritance money, the $1 million, will go to her stepfather, Avery. So Avery, you know, maybe he never had feelings for her, I don't know. But regardless, if she dies, if the kidnappers kill her now or anytime soon because she's still in high school, she's not near the 21 age yet, then he will get $1 million. And that's why he doesn't care. He wants them to kill her. Eddie's just gobsmacked, like, oh my God, are you kidding me right now? And so he has to go back and convey this message to the other folks, the other kidnappers, because they're planning to, yes, legit kill her because they're, you know, pissed off and they don't know what else to do. So he has to drive back, race back, and let them know, Hey, no wonder he wasn't coming. He's not going to come. And if he kills her, we're not getting any money whatsoever. So, unfortunately, while he's driving back, Alan, Jesse's brother, decides to rape Candy because... It's an exploitation picture. So he does, and it's really it's really sad. It's really fucking sad. Um, they only, you know, get there and stop him after it's too late. Um... Oh, I forgot to mention while this is all happening, the kid had actually stumbled upon um Candy in their house before this occurs. But he's not able to like untie her ropes or anything. So, he's just sort of he just hides away in the attic and watches Candy get raped. It's really fucked up. But he also appeared to have brought a gun. And at this point in the movie, I was like, is that a toy gun or a real gun? How could you tell? Because back then, toy guns did not have the little orange cap on them. They just looked like real guns. So I was like, I don't know whose gun this is or if it's legit. But anyway, he has a gun with him. But he can't do anything at this point. He's just hiding. He does escape from the house, though, fortunately. The child tries to, after escaping, tries to call the police and ends up calling a delicatessen instead. Uh, But he uses, he's very intelligent in that he uses a little doll that he has that speaks. It's a police doll. So he, like, pulls the chain to make it say police. But unfortunately, you know, that's all it says. So he's not able to get the message across to anybody that he needs the police. He needs them to help to save this girl. And it's at this point, once Eddie realizes the truth and everything, that he tries to save Candy. Like I said, it's hard to feel for Eddie at this point. But he does, he puts her back in the box and pretends that he's killed her. So that the other um, kidnappers will basically get over it. And go on to their next task, which is where they're deciding they're going to use Avery himself, you know, at gunpoint to have him rob his store. So they get a gun. And in a real American turn, they cannot buy a handgun, which they intended to buy, because there's a waiting period. But there was no waiting period if they wanted to buy a shotgun or rifle. So obviously they get a shotgun for a bit higher than the asking price if there's no questions asked. So they got their shotgun, they saw it off. And they go to Avery's home where Catherine is currently. They get her super drunk. You know, that's how that goes. And uh, unfortunately, she ends up getting killed because she says even while she's super drunk, she's never going to forget the face of Alan. So he kills her. And apparently, he has killed people before. So he has no problems with it. So finally, Mr. Avery does come home. After yet another tryst with his, you know, uh, secretary. And he's, you know, held up at gunpoint, obviously, by the trio. they take him to the jewelry uh, store and have him start loading up jewels from the vault. So they're getting excited, but things sort of really fall apart around this point because it's clear Avery really does not want... To just play it easy and just give them the, the jewelry. And I think it's presumed that they're going to kill him after anyway. So he really wants to fight for his life. He does not just want to let things happen. So Alan, as we've learned, is a murderer. who's already mil- killed before. He, you know, once things are getting heated, they're getting ready to fight. Alan shoots Avery. And then he turns to shoot Eddie too. But Eddie reacts too fast. Takes Jesse's shotgun and shoots um, Alan instead. So it's a very quick, rapid succession shootout. And Jesse's extremely upset. She doesn't want to leave because that's her brother. But it's pretty, it's pretty clear he's dead. He got, like, shot in the eye. So if he wasn't dead already, he was going to be very soon. So she won't leave. But unfortunately, Avery's not dead. He grabs a gun and he shoots Jesse. And then so Eddie's running away. Avery's giving pursuit But finally, they sort of meet in that same area where Candy is buried. And they have sort of a final shootout. Eddie kills Avery. And so then he's like, okay, I'm in the clear. I can finally dig up Candy, you know, let her be free. And so he's rushing to dig. He doesn't even have a shovel. He's just digging with his hands. But Sean is there. He's in no one knew that Sean existed basically until this point where he shoots Eddie with the gun. So it was a real gun. And Eddie, super confused, but he just dies. And this is the super ironic part because, you know, Eddie was, although he was a bad guy, he was going to save Candy. He was going to dig her up. But as far as Sean knew, he only knew that these three people were kidnappers and they had put her there and that they were going to hurt her. They He didn't know what Eddie was trying to do just then. That's kind of it. After that, Sean sort of shuffles down the mountain or the hill, whatever, leaving a very clear trail. And he's still got his gun. His mom is calling for him in the background, like, where are you? Get back home. And she's like banging a pan. And then you hear another shot go off. And you hear the mom stop talking. And so as far as I can tell, that's another... And that's the end of the movie. But it's hinting that Sean killed his mother. At that point, and then the movie ends. And Candy is at this point still alive, but there's nobody there to get her out. So it's a very intriguing ending. I would like to believe that in the context of this film, that the police would be called because there was only one shot. So the husband's apparently still alive and would come and find his wife dead. Or someone would notice the shots and alert them, and that the police would come and see the very clear, like, trail from the house up to the place where Candy was buried, and somehow figure something out about that. But, I don't know. All in all, very intense film. You know, it's got humor, but it's extremely dark as well, kind of a black comedy exploitation film in a way very horrific because of the events that occur and how things become, keep getting ratcheted up from where they start. I was pretty tense during the movie. My shoulders were like super tense throughout because I was just like, oh God, what is going to happen next? So I thought it was a pretty good film actually. Um, Better than what I expected. Again, I'm not sure how to classify this if this would really truly be a horror film or if it's more of a, you know, a drama type thing but i think if it sounds at all intriguing to you then it's probably worth a watch regardless of your you know genre affiliations so yeah that's about it for this episode of all of them witches a bit of a downer movie but i think it was well worth watching thanks for listening and we'll be back with another episode of all of them witches in two weeks